Well, welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we continue our series in the book of 1 Peter. The title of our series this morning is Living as Suffering Saints for God's Promised Glory. Living as Suffering Saints for God's Promised Glory. And today's message is in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 to 14. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 to 14. And the title of the the message this morning is encouragement in the midst of suffering, encouragement in the midst of suffering. So Peter is writing to Christians in Asia Minor, modern day Turkey. He's writing from Rome as the pastor of the church in Rome, and he's writing to encourage these Christians who are suffering. Now, January has been the wettest month, the wettest January that we've had in South Florida since records began to be kept in 1932. 1932. So the average rainfall for South Florida for a January is 1.93 inches of rain. This January, we received 9.18 inches of rain. Wow, indeed. Wow, indeed. Now, one thing that we've all done after we complained about it, and it seemed like most of the rain came on a Monday morning, right? I mean, rainy days and Monday always get me down. So God just gave us two of them right there. But they didn't get you down, did they? They tempted me. (laughs) Um, But one of the things that we all remember now very clearly, as if we ever forgot this, that clouds precede the rain. Clouds precede the rain. You wake up in the morning, you look outside, There's tons of clouds. You know, here comes the rain. And in like fashion, in the letter of 1 Peter, what God wants to communicate to us through this series and the text this morning is that suffering precedes glory. As clouds precede rain, suffering precedes glory. And I know that that is not something we necessarily want to hear. But it's a reality. The clouds are going to come. We live in South Florida. The rains are going to come. The suffering is going to come. But so is the glory. This is what we're reminding ourselves of in the midst of the suffering. Because when the suffering comes, when the bug bites, the bee stings, the dog barks, Whatever it is for you, when the suffering comes, what are you tempted to do? I know for me, a couple of things come into my mind immediately. A couple of temptations come to mind. Number one, God has forgotten me. God has forgotten me. He's got a lot to do, doesn't he? There's a lot of people on this earth, seven billion plus. He's got to keep the cosmos running. He's just forgotten me. I'm like that Charlie Brown character. I've just got the cloud that follows me everywhere I go. Or, this one's a little worse. These get progressively worse. When suffering hits, God's punishing me. God's punishing me for that thing that I keep doing. God's punishing me because I am not the man or the woman that I should be. God's punishing me for for my sin, for when I've blown it. Yeah, but it gets even worse than that. Because if we entertain the God has forgotten me one, and then we entertain the God is punishing me one, here's the third one, and this one, this one's toxic. God doesn't love me anymore. 
He does not love me anymore. And so when those temptations come rushing in to our lives, here's what God does. God sends messengers. God sends messengers to us to remind us that he has not forgotten us, that he is not punishing us. Listen, if you're here and you're not a Christian, this is the the bedrock of our belief as Christians. God punished Jesus with the punishment we deserve on the cross so that he might give us the reward that we don't deserve, but Jesus earned. But you can still think he's punishing you just a little bit, right? Un castigo. little pow-pow. A big pow-pow. Can we stop the pow-pow? Because it seems like that cloud won't go away. But he punished Jesus for you. And oh, friend, these three messengers, they tell you that God loves you in Christ. So let's hear the message of these three messengers, shall we? It's found in our text this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. By the way, if you need a Bible, we have some in the back. But let's read what these messengers say. Because these messengers are going to remind us of the theme of 1 Peter. Just as clouds precede rain, so suffering precedes glory. Let's listen to these messengers. 1 Peter 1.10 Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories of Christ. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which Angels long to look. Who's the first messenger that God sends to us to remind us that he loves us, to remind us that he hasn't forgotten us, to remind us that he didn't punish us because he punished Christ in our stead? Well, the first messenger is found in verse 10. The prophets. The prophets. And the prophets come speaking what? Look at verse 10. Concerning this salvation, what salvation? The salvation that Peter has been talking about since verse 3, reminding you of the previous two sermons. The salvation that is the living hope we have in Jesus to which God the Holy Spirit caused us to be born again. The inheritance that God keeps for us in heaven, in Christ. The The salvation for which God keeps us here on earth. The praise and the glory and the honor that we talked about last week, that we have in Christ when he comes back again. That salvation, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. Who are these prophets? It's a good question. What is a prophet? Is it something you make in business? No. Is it someone that has crazy wild hair that screams on the street corner in downtown Miami? No. Normally not. Maybe one. I doubt it. No, no. These prophets that Peter are speaking about, 
began by God's hand in the Old Testament. And the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, the first prophet in the Old Testament was Moses. See, Moses was God's first prophet. And we find Moses prophesying, talking to God's people in Deuteronomy chapter 18. And we're going to trace from God's first prophet, Moses, in about 1400 BC. And for a thousand years, God is going to give us prophets who are going to speak about this salvation until God's last prophet. You know, the Italian prophet, Malachi. All right, Malachi. It's the last book of the Old Testament. Moses in Deuteronomy 18, 1400 B.C. Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, 400 B.C. A thousand years of prophets who God sent messengers to encourage you and me, to encourage his people that this salvation is coming, to speak of this salvation. And so let's just trace those prophets for a moment because I want those prophets to speak to you this week when the bug bites and the bee stings and you're feeling bad. It may rain Monday, who knows? May not may rain metaphorically speaking in your soul. It's okay. There's a messenger here talking to you about something greater than that. Clouds precede rain. Suffering precedes glory. There's glory coming. So let's read about this first prophet. Deuteronomy. I trust it's back there because I saw all your eyes go back there when something happened. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. What's happening here? Context. Moses is speaking to the children of Israel. Forty years. They've been wandering in the desert. He's right at the outskirts of the promised land. And this is his final kind of word to him. He's reviewing their redemptive history the last 40 years. What God did when he brought them out of Egypt. And listen to what Moses says. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb, Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai, the mountain where they received the law. On the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. They were fearful that day. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. We need a mediator. Moses is going to mediate, but he's going to point to a greater mediator. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and I, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him, and whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. And then Peter, in his second recorded sermon in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3 is going to quote Moses. Acts chapter 3, verse 22. Moses said, so Peter's preaching, second recorded uh, sermon in the book of Acts. God is moving by his spirit. People are getting saved. The church has been born. And listen to Peter's sermon. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets have spoken from Samuel. So Moses' first prophet and then all the prophets. Samuel was a great prophet all the way down to Malachi. From Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. They were all pointing to this great salvation revealed in Christ. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, 
And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first, and he's speaking of Jesus, to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. So what's happening here? We see that God has sent the prophets to us. And what did he reveal to them? All these prophets for a thousand years, fulfilled in Christ, how did he reveal to them this great salvation? Remember, our text begins with, concerning this salvation, the prophets prophesied. We'll look at verse 11 of our text, back to 1 Peter 1.11. Inquiring, speaking of the prophets, what person or time the Spirit of Christ is in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. When Moses stood up and said, a prophet's coming to me, and if you don't listen to him, you're going to be cursed, he was speaking of the sufferings of Christ. He didn't know it, but the spirit of Christ within him was predicting what would happen in the rejection of Christ. When Samuel talked about this 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 heir of David who would take the throne forever. He was speaking of Christ when Isaiah spoke of the suffering servant. He was speaking of Christ, though he didn't know it fully. Zechariah, Malachi, Jeremiah, the spirit of Christ. And you're saying, Al, that's a funny sort of name. I've not heard that before. You would be right. Only twice in the New Testament is this term, the spirit of Christ, used by Peter here. And by Paul in Romans chapter 8. But it's just simply another name for the Holy Spirit. And what Peter is doing is he's highlighting the Spirit's role in revealing Jesus to these Old Testament prophets. And what does he reveal to them? Look at verse 11. The Spirit of Christ in them was indicating what, my friends? When he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories of Christ. Do you see that order? That order is important. Clouds precede rain. Sufferings precede glory. This Message, the Spirit of Christ, the very Holy Spirit, sustained these prophets who suffered tremendously to bring us this message. Some were sawn in half. Some were stoned. Some were abandoned in the deserts. Some lived all alone in caves. Jeremiah was thrown into a mucky well and almost suffocated to death before they finally pulled him out. These these men suffered, but the Spirit of Christ sustained them like he will sustain you and me. Because clouds precede rain, suffering precedes glory. That's what they preached. Do you see that in verse 11? That's what they preached. Listen, and when Jesus came, that's what he said. Peter is writing this. And Peter was an eyewitness and listened to Jesus predict his own suffering. And his own glory. Let's just take a look at it briefly. Very important. First time that Jesus did that was in Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Mark chapter 8, 31. Listen to what Jesus says. 
And he, Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Don't you love that? But turning and seeing his disciples, he, Jesus, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Peter had just confessed Jesus as the Christ right before this. He got that right. He got the glory right. He missed the suffering. So when Jesus starts talking about his suffering, Peter says, whoa, 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 you're the Christ. God had to rebuke Peter. And we're like Peter, aren't we? We're tempted to rebuke the Lord when suffering comes. Maybe not rebuke the Lord. We're not quite that bold, but we rebuke the suffering. <laughs> I rebuke you in Al's name. Flat tire, be gone. Weariness of the soul, be gone. Infuriating boss, spouse, child, person at the counter that I'm trying to buy something from and they're not paying attention to me. I rebuke you, announce the name in the Lord, say no. The Lord turns around and rebukes us. That's part of it. Suffering precedes glory. Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, right. I heard, I, amen to that one. That was a, that was a good amen. Mm. <laughs> there's amens and there's hmm. <laughs> And if you really get something, it's like, oh, you hear every other once in a while, you just hear, oh. When else did Jesus predict his sufferings? Look at chapter 9, verse 30. Mark nine thirty. He again predicts his sufferings. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, there's the glory, he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. Now, <laughs> they still don't get it, but I'm not saying a word. Last time someone said something, Peter got called the devil, so I'm saying nothing. I still don't get it. And that's like us, right? We're not happy about this, but we're afraid to say anything to God. And then the third time that Jesus predicts his suffering is in chapter 10, verse 32b. 32b. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And then Jesus gets graphic here. They will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. Ah, But here comes the glory. And after three days, he will rise from the dead. See, they they didn't get it. They didn't understand that the crown of thorns has to precede the crown of glory. If for our Lord, so for his followers. See, his sufferings on the cross, his passive suffering when he became a child, God incarnate, when he became man, passive suffering, lived all his life perfectly obedient to the Father. That's the passive suffering of Christ. His active suffering when he was flogged and beaten and crucified naked on a cross and died of asphyxiation under the wrath of God, receiving the punishment that you and I deserve. God's not punishing you when you suffer. He already punished Jesus. That suffering, that crown, has to precede the crown of glory, which is his and will be ours one day because we're in him. That is the message here. And you know what? (laughs) Peter got that message. 
Don't need to turn there. I don't have it on the screen. But in Acts 2, 36, in his first recorded message in Acts, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, overdwelled him, he was baptized in the Spirit. He, he, was, he was given the Spirit that day of Pentecost. He preached about Jesus. And having just preached about Jesus' resurrection from the dead, he then thunders, This Christ, this Christ, God has installed as both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Suffering, yes. Glory, absolutely. True for our Lord, true for us in Him. Oh my. But you know what? Peter was just the first of many messengers. Because you see, Peter was listening to the Old Testament prophets, the first group of messengers. But now Peter himself, along with Paul and others, became that second group of messengers who have come to encourage us in the midst of our sufferings. And that's the New Testament preachers, point two. The New Testament preachers. I want you to notice back in our text, in verse 11, excuse me, 12, it was revealed to them, that's the Old Testament prophets, that they were, not, they were serving not themselves but you, that's New Testament believers, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Here's a second group of messengers. Old Testament prophets, verses 10, 11, and the first part of 12. Now the second group of messengers, these New Testament preachers. And notice, just as the Spirit of Christ revealed to the Old Testament messengers, the prophets, about Jesus, now he's called the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. I think Peter did that on purpose. Same Holy Spirit, just calling him something a little differently. This Holy Spirit sent from heaven, the Spirit of Christ, who gave courage to these New Testament preachers, who gave them understanding what the Old Testament messengers were saying. And now the New Testament preachers are preaching this message. Look, the people to whom Peter was writing most likely received the gospel not from the first group of messengers, at least not directly, but from the second group of messengers, whether Peter himself or Paul or others, who preached the very message of the gospel that begins in the Old Testament and is matured and revealed in the New. These New Testament preachers are filled by the same Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit of God sent from heaven to preach Jesus who was punished for you and me. To remind them that our suffering is not because God is punishing us. No way. God punished Jesus. And they're preaching the word and they're in suffering for this. Peter himself, uh, tradition would say, was crucified upside down outside of Rome. Paul was martyred outside of Rome. These men preached God's word and their messengers to encourage our souls. One quick example from Paul and his preaching, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. Listen to Paul preaching by the Holy Spirit, Christ, from the Old Testament. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the seas, talking about the Exodus. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. Paul, what are you talking about? And all ate the same spiritual food. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. The Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit's revealing to me exactly what was happening back then and how Jesus fulfills it. 
And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. There was a rock there from which water came to feed two, give two million people water in the desert, or else they die. And then Paul brings it home and he says, and the rock was Christ. That encourages me. I pray to encourage you. When you're battling self-pity and unbelief and wondering, has God forgotten me? And wondering, has, is God punishing me? And wondering, does God love me? Oh, friend, he does, because there's a third group of messengers that he sends. Look carefully at the text. Not only does he send New Testament, Old Testament prophets, not only does he send New Testament preachers, but look at the end of verse 12, 1 Peter 1.12. Things into which angels... Long to look. The third group of messengers are angelic powers. Angelic powers. The, these, the angels are the ones that, that knew about the plan, at least portions of the plan. They're the ones that are in heaven, that are listening and watching. It's kind of like you're out of play. They're, these angels are out of play. They're seated here, and every once in a while, God will tap and say, Go, you got a role to play. Go. What do you mean, Al? Well, sure. Remember Abraham? Remember Abraham in Genesis 22 when he had his little boy? And God said, go sacrifice your son. And Abraham was obedient to God, and God said, I'll provide the lamb. And remember, Abraham takes his son, and he, he ties him up, and he puts him on the altar, and he's got his knife raised. And if you read Genesis 22, it says, an angel of the Lord said, Abraham, Abraham, can you imagine being that angel? Can you imagine? You know this is going to happen. You're wondering how it's going to play out. You kind of maybe understand that God will provide a lamb. There's going to be someone provided in the future. And, and why is God telling Abraham to kill his son? This is the son of promise. And then suddenly you're just sitting there on the bench going, yeah. And God goes, go, Pino. <laughs> Good thing he got there on time. And the angel says, Abraham, Abraham. God's provided the lamb. Imagine being that angel. That's, those are the angels Peter's talking about who, who long, long to see what we get to experience. In Jude, it says Michael the archangel wrestled with Satan for the body of Moses. I know, we're into deep stuff here, but there it is. And then this same Michael, now you know I'm going to love this, right? This is the Airborne Ranger song, uh, stories. The same Michael in Daniel 10, we learn... Helps another angel, Daniel 10. The Bible's exciting, kids. Exciting. In Daniel 10, Daniel's praying. God sends his answer via an angel, but apparently it wasn't quite, maybe he wasn't like airborne qualified yet. You know, he didn't have his ranger tab yet. You know these angels are tough dudes, man. You know they are. Come on. Walk with me. And so, and so the Bible says that, that the answer was coming from this angel, but the but the prince of Persia, a demonic force associated with Persia, was holding back this angel from bringing Daniel the, 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 the answer. And you know what the Bible says? Till Michael showed up. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Michael's here. And Michael dukes out that evil force so that the other angel can come and give Daniel the word. Can you imagine being Michael? Every once in a while, God just taps you. Go, Michael. Go, Michael. How about Gabriel? Gabriel, who sent in Luke 1 to say to Mary, this is the child. This is the one. Gabriel got to do that. 
Or how about the, how about the angels who came and ministered to Jesus at the, at the, at the, after the temptation in the wilderness? In, in, in Matthew chapter 4, it says the angels came and ministered to Jesus. You know, Jesus is sitting there, you know, and uh, it, it was a fight. That was a real fight. Jesus passed the, 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 the test in the garden. Jesus passed that we failed. He was a man. He was hungry. He was tired physically. And the angels can't like work in his corner, you know, putting the stuff on. Got some, you know, tired, giving him some water. The angels ministered to Jesus. Which, how about being those guys? Or how, how about the, the, the angels? I love this one. This one will get your attention if you're like me. You have a vivid imagination and like military things. So you're in the garden. They've come to get Jesus. His disciples start fighting with the, the people coming to get Jesus. By, by, God, by God's very plan, Jesus is going to suffer in the garden. And Jesus simply turns and says to them, look it up later, Matthew 26, 53. Hey, guys, cool it. Don't you think that I could order up 12 legions of angels to defend me? You know what? You know how many 12 legions are? 72,000. Now imagine those bad boys. I'm imagining in heaven. <laughs> and these guys may not have known fully. They're like, let us at him. We'll get him. <laughs> Without sinning. And God's saying, stand down. Oh, there'll come a day for those 72,000. Trust me. That will be a great and terrible day. The angels of the Lord come back with the Lord. But not yet, guys. Tranquilo. 72,000. Forget about Peter's little sword cutting off the guy's ear. We're talking wipeout. Decimation. Can you imagine being those guys? This is the salvation that we have. This is the drama that's played out over the tapestry of history. This is the salvation that helps me when I'm suffering. Send the messengers, because there's days I, I do, I crumble. I don't like it. I get discouraged. Oh, and, and, and don't get me started about the angels in Acts. Actually, before we get to Acts, how about the angel that rolled away the two-ton rock at the tomb? I'd like, to, I'd like to meet that guy. Okay? And he qu- calmly tells the women, oh, I, I, that guy, wouldn't it be cool to be that guy? Ladies, you come here crying, but he's not here. He's risen. Can you imagine having the privilege of being able to be the one God tapped to say that? He's risen. Your brokenness, your hopelessness, it's been turned in a moment. He's alive. He's alive. And yeah, don't get me started with the angels and acts. Man, do a study of angels and acts. That's a cool study. I mean, they're doing everything. They're opening prison doors. They're informing Cornelius that the gospel's going to come to the Gentiles in a dream. They're killing people. Whoops. Herod, when he blasphemed. Read it. It's an angel. Angel from God. They're encouraging Paul. They're ministers of God's purpose. These guys are longing. These guys are longing to look into the things that we get to experience now. That's what it says at the end of verse 12. Things into which angels long to look. I love what David Helm says in his commentary on 1 Peter on the screen. 
Because he cannot contain himself, Peter throws a third encouraging word to his readers about salvation's past glories. Not only did God put prophets and preachers to work for them. Now remember, he's writing to people that are legitimately suffering. I know if you are, I'm not making light of your suffering. It's real suffering. But we've got real messengers here. Prophets and preachers to work for them. But he did so with a message so great that it had the angelic host standing at rapt attention as they watched it unfold and at times participated in it as God sent them on a particular redemptive historic mission. These three great encouraging truths. Listen, as Helm would say, prophets labored their entire lives, friends, and suffered everything to present the true gospel to us. New Testament preachers, and actually preachers, have traveled down through the ages around the globe to ensure that the gospel has gained a hearing from us. And angels would like nothing better than to gaze into what God has done for us. God has not forgotten us. God is not punishing us. He punished Jesus. God loves us. And he sends these messengers to us to deliver to us the plan of salvation, to encourage our souls. Listen, friends, here's the bottom line. Clouds precede rain. Suffering precedes glory. As the clouds mean, yes, the rain is coming. So the suffering means, yes, the glory is coming. And Jesus showed us the way. Because he is in heaven at the right hand of the Father in glory. He will come again. And he's, he's good at his word keeps his word. So may this word restore our gratitude through the prophets, through the preachers, through the angelic powers to refresh our souls, to ready us to live lives for the gospel and to reach out with the gospel and to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Let us pray. Worship team, please join me up front. Lord, if there are those here in in this auditorium who do not know you, those who maybe have been astounded at how much the Bible has to say about Jesus and perhaps astounded that Christianity isn't some modern invention of a bunch of Western European people, but rather it's your plan down through the ages and and it's beginning to hit them, Lord, that, that you have had a plan from the very beginning and that you have them in mind and that you are calling them. Father, I pray they would repent and believe now. And Lord, for the the rest of us, the majority in this auditorium who perhaps are wondering, have you forgotten me, God? Don't you see my financial need? Don't you understand how ashamed I am to go into work tomorrow or see those people because I feel like such a failure? Lord, don't you see the relational strife in my home and I'm so weary of it? Father, I pray that you would speak now your word of comfort. You have not forgotten them. You are not punishing them. You punish Christ in their stead. And you love them. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name and receive our worship, Lord, as we stand to sing to you.